Welcome to my podcast, Cyberglass Ceiling. I'm going to have a light-hearted fireside chat with some people who are leaders in the industry of cybersecurity. Prominent for the fact that they are a women, people of colour, LGBTQ, or just different. The term glass ceiling refers to sometimes invisible barriers to success that many come up against in their careers. A management consultant called Marilyn Loden coined the phrase almost 40 years ago regarding women rising to senior positions and says it's still as relevant as ever today. So I've taken it a little step further, not just women, but people of colour and bias that may exist in the workplace and how they overcame this to become leaders in the industry. I promise not too much swearing, no politics or religion, just a cuppa and whatever takes your fancy. Hello and welcome to my next episode of Cyberglass Ceiling. Uh, and today, back in the studios in uh, Soho, I have with me a lady called Elizabeth Huffman. Um, Elizabeth, say hello. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? Um, and before we start, you're thinking, who's Elizabeth Huffman? Um, I'm going to get her to just give her a, give a quick overview of who you are and what you're doing right now, and then we'll get into it. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, so I'm Liz Huthman. I am a cyber director at KPMG. Um, so essentially client facing, helping clients to solve all of their challenges within the cybersecurity space, largely focused in on kind of cyber risk. Um, so I lead our third party security proposition, I do a lot of work around kind of cyber maturity assessments um, within the privacy space, um, all of that kind of good stuff. Um, so Very I've good. been with KPMG for about 18 months now. Well, yeah. Before that, I was at Tesco's for six years. You weren't on the uh, tills, though, were no, you? No, not on the tills in you, the, you in the you office. loading the shelves or anything <laughs> like that. Well, to be fair, you do a bit of that when you're in the office as well, which is nice so that you kind of get to understand the core of the business. Um, oh, okay, but that okay. wasn't my role when I was there, no. Um, so I worked in their cyber team um, and did a couple of roles. So the first was rolling out their global security training and awareness program. Oh, yeah. So across the office, the stores and the distribution centers, which means that was about 470,000 people that, that that went out to, which was good fun. Challenge. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. There are different um, stakeholder groups across the different parts of the business. So there's a lot that you need to kind of get through. But we got there, which is good. Um, and then the second role that I did was overseeing and building out their global third party security program. So that encompassed the UK business, um, the UK subsidiaries, the business in Asia before it was sold. And then uh, the countries across Central Europe, which, again, was a really great role um, and it kind of feeds into what I do a lot now at KPMG. Um, and then before that, I worked at Deloitte for... Mm gosh, nine, ten years. Started there actually. What do you mean ten years? You're only about <laughs> 20 now. Come on. Really? Yeah, I think wow. it's because yeah, nine nine-ish years. Um, yeah, I started there as a grad, though, so that was my first ah. first role. So I've kind of gone full circle back into professional services. Um, and then before that, I studied at Brunel, and I did business management and marketing. Marketing, so nothing really to do with cyber. Yeah, indeed. Now, one of the interesting things we were speaking about uh, before we came to the studio is um, you're from. Hackney, East London. I am indeed. Proud uh, of it. Proud of it. <laughs> and um, one of the things you said to me was about your school, um, that you went, it got shut down. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the way I imagine it is that you were just a, a normal girl, not from the street, but living in Hackney and everything was going on around you. And and yet you've become this success and, and leader uh, and working for one of the big four in, in KPMG. 
you know that deserves a round of applause and a pat on the back and all that but you know what was what was the your, your thought process to not get not say not get involved in all the nonsense that goes on sometimes but um was it the family was it the upbringing was it the fact that you were just like Do you know what I'm, I'm not a sheep I'm gonna make my own path in life I'm not gonna follow everybody else yeah it's interesting it was definitely the family in, uh, influence so Mum and dad were always kind of drumming it into my ear that, you know, you want to do well. Um, you can see sort of things going on around, like all sorts of things used to go on where oh, we lived. I, like, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, it's funny now when I think back, my mum's house on the corner now, there's a yoga studio. And that wasn't what was on the corner <laughs> back in the day, I'll just say that. Um, but yeah, they just used to kind of always encourage me and instill in me to kind of just do my best. Um, so I was around lots of people that did all sorts of things, hang out with them, but just kept myself out of, you know, crossing that line. Um, and yeah, I really thank my parents for that. And also, I guess my, my Christian faith as well mm -hmm. helped me along the way in kind of just making sure that I stay on the right path and do the right things. Yeah. And so, yeah, worked hard. Um, at the end of the school year, so in year six, when we got the GCSEs, there was only a handful of us really that did well. So I remember like holding my certificates up, smiling for the Gazette, taking pictures and everyone else around was just like crying, angry, saying they don't care, all sorts of different emotions. But um, yeah, that sticks in the mind because I was like, wow, this, this is um, quite a pivotal moment in my journey. And mm -hmm. I think from there, I just went on to kind of keep going and progressing. So. Well, again, Elizabeth, this is again about celebration, and it's not about against all odds. But you know, my upbringing and my growing up um, is is completely different to most people's upbringing and growing up. Um, right. I, I didn't go to university. Um, I was homeless at sixteen. Wow. Um, uh, my mum died at fourteen. Wow. So it was like, ah, heck, and so. It's that survival instinct mm. um, that you kick in, and it, it sounds like there was a bit of that. But you had that that um, um, family and, and that circle yeah. of trust around you to make Absolutely. sure that you didn't um, go across the line and, and go down the road. Whereas I, um, <laughs> let's just say, um, I had sports to keep me in check, okay. and uh, I, I did a lot of that. Anyway, this isn't about me; it's about <laughs> you. So let's get into it. Um, your first ever job. Oh, so I think my first job was pretty cool, actually. Um, I used to work in The Link. I don't know if you remember it, the phone shop with the purple well, purple background, white right in The Link. I'm going to say I have no idea. No? But no they were part it? of the Curry's group anyway. So, okay. um, yeah, when I was in college, I got a role there basically as a sales assistant, so selling... Um, page you go phones but the gold dust was contracts um but it was cool because at the time i got to like play with all the latest devices before other people so people would always say oh liz was coming out next i'd be like oh yeah i can't tell you you know you'll see it soon i've just had a flashback to a channel <laughs> four program called phone shop <laughs> do you remember that yeah, yeah. Was, it, was it anything like that yeah sometimes <laughs> oh, <that> um, was... <laughs> but interesting now where I think about where I am now in cyber obviously back then when we were doing contracts you'd have to get people's ID mm -hmm. um, proof of address proof of ID all that sort of stuff so I feel like I've had a journey all the way through yeah, link, linking with the cyber side so the yeah link. that was my first job in the cool. link and so I guess what attracted you into the world of IT and 
especially cyber what you do now how did how did that come along <laughs> i fell into it it's the honest truth <laughs> didn't, didn't we all didn't we all um so when i was at uni i basically did a sandwich course which meant uh, the third year was a full year of um working in industry so i did that work placement at ibm uh, where i essentially supported a hardware sales team and um, kind of doing a security operations role so um I used to follow the sales team out to their different meetings and one of the meetings they went to was at Deloitte and literally my thought process was okay this place looks nice the logo looks cool hmm, let me apply when I finish um, uni and that is essentially what I did when I finished uni looked on the website at the different roles that they had saw something that was called information security thought, mm, I've done an IT module got a few things that might match let me just go for it and so I did so essentially kind of went through the um, application process all of the kind of interviews and the group sessions that they make you do but I got through and which was great so I joined um, with four other grads at the time um, but they were well in cyber or in information security anyway but there were loads of other graduates joining different parts of the firm so that's essentially how I got into wow. it and, got and from how there. did you find the interview process in regards to, um, you know, if we look at Deloitte's as a, as a business, um, of course it's probably changed a little bit now. But you know, as a as a, a young girl from Hackney, um, was there any sort of question marks, or did people give you that side eye, as I as I call it? So I don't think I did get anything like that. It was actually quite a positive experience for me. I think more because of where I came from and feeling like I was potentially different to other people, I didn't feel comfortable or confident in myself. Um, but I don't think necessarily they did anything to, to kind of put that perception on me or indeed the people that I interacted with. Um, there were lots of stages to the process, but yeah, managed to kind of get, get my way through them. Positivity. Positivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Good. absolutely. Um, and uh, you're there in Deloitte's. And uh, you're doing a job. Um, can I ask what role that you sort of started off and grew into that? Yeah, so essentially you start off kind of as a, what was called then a P1, so kind of like an analyst level within the information security team. And I think at that stage it's just about getting into all sorts of projects, as many as you can, to kind of understand what you like. And so that's what I tried to do, just working across the different domain areas building relationships where I could, um, shadowing people as much as I could just to understand what do I like and where, where do I think that I fit in. And so that's essentially the journey I took. And that was advice I was given as well, kind of at that stage in your career, you like explore. Learn Don't, as much yeah, as you can. Learn as much as you can and ask questions. Absolutely. No questions, a silly question. And so, yeah, I just tried to, to do that to the best of my ability. Okay, that's cool. And um, when it came to moving up the ladder... And, um, you know, going for that next, uh, whether it be a P2 or P3, I'm, I'm not even sure what they're called in, in Deloitte's. And you're thinking, yeah, do you know what, I could do this. And again, this is called glass ceiling for, for a reason. And it's to understand how, you know, people have broken through that. But, you know, did you ever come across a co-worker that was less qualified that moved up the ladder um, because of whatever reason instead of yourself? So I personally don't think I have. And I think I think about that and I wonder, is it that I was oblivious to it or it just didn't happen to me? However, I know a lot of other people who have shared experiences where that definitely has happened to them. 
Um, and you tend to find that people fall into different buckets. So some, it happens, they're really angry about it. They keep that in and that starts to portray in the way that they behave going forward. So they're always on the defensive mm -hmm. versus others that it happens to. And they find a way to challenge it, but in the right way to then impact change. And so when people do come to me, because even now, obviously in, in my role, people come to me and talk about different challenges that they feel that they're having. My guidance and advice to them is to challenge it in the right way and don't let it change who you are as a yeah. person. Because when you start to be on the defensive all the time, it just makes things worse for you. And then it gives that perception to, the, to people that this is what people like you are like. And it then just spirals from there oh there's the old um adage oh, angry black woman Don't yeah essentially you know yeah, I mean? yeah, no. yeah 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 i, I get yeah. that and so when we look at diversity in the workplace and whether it be you know color neurodiversity mm -hmm. you know people that are different um have you seen because i mean you're not you've not worked for these little companies you know it's two of the big four and um so have you seen a change in culture um, within the within the, the the business that you're in, uh, within the office that you're in, um, is it more diverse than it was when you first started? Um, you as one of the leaders in in the business, uh, have you brought anything to the table about you know looking at you know whether it be more diverse mm -hmm. and, and, a, and a different culture? So absolutely, there is change that has happened, and actually part of the reason why I took the role at KPMG is because. Um, the recruiter who approached me was really bold in saying that they are looking for more diverse hires. And I thought, oh, no one's ever said that to me when trying to approach me for a role. And so that got me to kind of uh, speak to the partner, speak to different people in the firm to understand, well, what actually does that mean? What are you doing? And I got to understand um, about the different initiatives that are going on within the firm and thought, actually, wouldn't it be nice for me to come in as a black leader and help those in the junior position to see themselves in leadership? So that was a massive reason as to why I took the role. Mm -hmm. um, and I think back a couple of months ago, we had this kind of dinner for partners and directors of Black Heritage. I saw that. And it was, oh, you saw it, yeah? yeah I saw that. Brilliant. And there was just a table full of us, just all black people. We went around, everybody kind of said their position and everyone was direct to partner, direct to partner. It was just amazing to see. And it, it's, you know... I go back because I'm I'm really old. So if I go back, <laughs> you know, 10, 15 years, that wasn't the case. Yeah. yeah. And um, this is why it needs to be celebrated. Absolutely. And, and like I said, this is never going to be a bitch fest about anything but a celebration of how people of colour, women of colour, um, have raised through the ranks to become directors, become managers, become no. leaders um and you know this podcast is all about do you know what if you're listening you can do it absolutely absolutely yeah? you can do it yeah and you know elizabeth bringing you in today is like yeah do you know what breath of fresh air um we're gonna go for a break and we're gonna come back on the other side Sea Vision International is a global event and advisory firm dedicated to convening leading visionaries in an exclusive environment for peer-to-peer -peer collaboration. Our programs highlight critical business challenges and deliver the best available applied sciences aimed to change the world. Your vision is our mission. Let us help you build your company's future today, not tomorrow. And welcome back to my latest episode of Cyberglass Ceiling. And with me, 
I have Elizabeth Huffman from KPMG. Hi, Elizabeth. Hey. Okay, second half of this. Uh, so let's get back into it. Um, we talk about bugbears when people from outside the company um, don't recognise or understand that you're the leader or, you know, you're the, 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 the manager or, or whatever, director. Um, has that ever happened to you? <laughs> oh, you know it has, right? Yeah, there, there are times you kind of go to events or you're in a room with people and you're talking and then they ask, oh, so what do you do? And when I say I'm a director, you see the eyes go big and then they come back down. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, why Why does that happen? Is it the braids? Because I wear braids a lot. So, uh-huh. Or is it the way I talk or just because I'm just being I... myself? I don't know, but... If Get I was to bit. meet you in, in in a work environment or an event environment, um, it, because again, it's, the celebration is you are a director, <laughs> but you, you you look very young. You you know, I know. Well, thank uh, you. Uh, we're, we're black people, we know black don't crack, right? You know, I'm 110 underneath all this, um, but of course. The, the assumption would be that, oh, you must be one of the, the juniors or, or yeah, you're here to do yeah. that. And the, the reaction, uh, which makes me laugh all the time, um, when I, again, I, I remember I was, I was doing some business in the Bank of England and, you know, I was I was the guy. Um, and the, the shock and the, the, the sort of blood drained from this guy's face. when Because re- re- he's looking around yeah. you like, no, exactly. someone <laughs> Absolutely ignored me, walked past me um, and was looking for a guy called Charles James. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, me. And of course, he'd spoken to me, but he hadn't had a clue what I looked like. Again, this is back in the day before yeah. LinkedIn was a thing. Yeah. And um, I, I found it funny um, because I just watched the blood drain from his face when he, you know, he messed up. But um, no, I, I get that. And... Um, I mean, you, you go to these events now and, and I guess you speak at these events and yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, the world's slightly different today. But, you know, with a lot of the people I interview, it still happens. And it's not just about colour, it's about gender as well. Yeah. Uh, and um, you still got folk out there that um, don't recognise that. Yeah, yeah. You know, why, could, why can't you be a leader as well as being black, as well as being a female? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Um, I'm glad you said that there's lots of initiatives out there. And that's one of the things that um, uh, sort of dragged you to KPMG and yeah, attracted absolutely. you to KPMG. So absolutely. that's kind of cool. So we're both in cybersecurity. We are indeed. Um, and um, <laughs> I want to touch on it quickly because um, where you work with a lot of businesses around their cybersecurity challenges, um, so without delving the in, into the, the, the secrets um what's the recurring theme that you're finding within um cybersecurity and the threat landscape yeah so i would say yeah and obviously i speak to clients like across different industries right and the two things that are always kind of front of mind as being um worry areas are ransomware and third-party compromise so a lot of clients come to us to say, you know, these are the threats that we're concerned about. What can we do about that? Um, can you look into the controls that we've got to see whether there is anything we need to do to improve in these areas? Um, so those are definitely the two areas. And they're looking more to see how they can use technology to kind of um, mm-hmm. support that process, because obviously now there are only finite resources in an organization. People are busy. And so they're looking to see how can automation support that or things like continuous control monitoring um, or how can we kind of get more involved with our peers 
to support one another in this journey yeah. and not see it as we can't share information in that in that respect. So those are the types of things that clients always come to us to talk about. Another thing is around kind of cyber insurance. So a lot of people say come to us and kind of say, well, is it worth having it? Um, we're confused about the the benefits of it versus yeah. the cost and the the amount of things to go through to actually get a policy. Um, we did a, this event recently um, with some organisations and it, one of them said they um, look to kind of be insurable but don't get the insurance, which I thought was an interesting take mm, because essentially mm. it means you, you, you pull your control environment up to the right level but don't necessarily go for the policy and then they invest that in things like um, cyber response services. So that was an interesting angle. Yeah, um, I spoke with um, my last episode uh, Lorraine Todd, who's the no. global IT director for Lathwaite Wines, um, and we both have the same sort of thought. It's a case of you—you you mentioned insurance, and I remember as, as a youngster, um, someone said to me, "Well, there's insurance, and there's assurance." Yeah. 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 Uh, when you take out car insurance, it's not a case of you're gonna have an accident, but you may have an accident. Yeah. Assurance is that I'm assured something's going to happen. We live, we die. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So when it comes to cyber insurance, um, interesting because Lorraine and I were speaking about it and our take is, is that it's not a case of if, but when. In terms of an attack, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I agree on that point. When it does happen, how are you prepared? Yeah. And it's about the preparedness of an attack, whether it be a third party or, 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 or as you call it, ransomware or, yeah. or whatever it may be. And, of course, it was highlighted a, a few weeks ago now. Was it last week or the week, week after before? When a payroll company yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, was attacked um, through third-party software and application. Yeah. Um, BBC and was it yeah, um, BBC, BAA? BAA, yeah. And uh, someone else. Those of others, yeah. Um, uh, got attacked and so doesn't I mean I don't know enough, enough about cyber insurance but um, it's an interesting one and um, KPMG your job doing that due diligence making so people call it cyber ready we're in this business um, and practical cybersecurity advice you would give to your family, your friends, um, <laughs> regarding their everyday. Yeah, um, stay off the internet, just don't use it. <laughs> no, honestly, um, I think a lot of um, friends and family are so carried away with this whole social media life and so everything's about click here, click there, like this, like that, show everything that you're doing. So my advice is just be conscious of what you're sharing on mm. these platforms and how you're doing it, how frequently you are, how ex how much you're exposing essentially of yourself because, yeah, the power of that passive reconnaissance is immense. Like attackers can literally go through, gather all this information about someone and put together a very factual, mm. <laughs> you know, profile of an individual. So that's one of the things that I always say to people, just be conscious of how much you're sharing and what you're sharing and why you're sharing it and who you're sharing it with and, you know, your settings on, on different profiles, like do you need to have it public or can you close it down? Like all, the, all those kind of little things. Um, 
And obviously, when it comes to attacks, like phishing is still that very most common approach that we see um, as initial compromise. So just reminding people around, you know, their just kind of um, approach and the things that they're doing. So when they're looking at emails or when they're on phones or on social media, just be careful because not everybody's out there just to kind of um, entertain you, sadly. Yes. No, absolutely <laughs> there are some that. who are there to cause harm. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So a couple of questions left. Go for it. What advice would you give anyone looking to get to cybersecurity? So mm -hmm. Elizabeth's 20-year-old self, she's in Hackney. There's all the nonsense going around, but you're driven. You're ambitious. Now that you've done it and, and you're now a director at KPMG, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Mm. Um, so I would tell her to show her interest in the area. So kind of making sure that she's looking at things that are happening. So like the attacks that are happening, are you keeping up with the news articles or are you trying to get some training that will support you to get into the industry? Um, and then also look at the skills that you've got that can transfer into roles within cyber, because actually cyber needs so many different types of people. Mm -hmm. So if you're somebody that likes to be technical, there are tons of roles for you. But if you're not like that um, and prefer to kind of um, speak to people, so you like stakeholder management a bit more, there are loads of roles in kind of security risk, security governance, compliance, that that will be a good fit for you. So, and interesting, there are lots of people that come to me for advice that are trying to get into the industry. Some that have actually had really established careers and just want to break in mm -hmm. and others that are like starting out. And I think that advice goes for both ways. Um, and also if you see a job ad, because for women, a lot of the time we see a job ad and we want to tick every box. I know that I, I can fall into that myself. Whereas men, I think... <laughs> Sometimes, can, certainly from what I see from my husband anyway, he can see, I don't know, 30, 40, 50% and be like, yeah, that's fine, I'll go for it. <laughs> and I think as women, we need to do that a bit more as well. You don't have to tick every box mm -hmm, to go mm -hmm. for a job. Um, and, and there are other things that you can bring to the table. So be confident to apply for things, even when you don't feel uh, like you meet all the criteria they're asking for. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I always speak about diversity in the workplace and different people bring different things yeah. so as you, as you said you know if you like talking do that bit if you're more techie do that bit and um you know whether you're, again female male different cultures religious whatever it may be yeah. because i grew up in the world of microsoft and i did that for a long time made my brain bleed and then i did the switch over to cybersecurity? Yeah. Um, back in sort of two thousand two thousand twelve with mobile um, MDM back in the day, and it worked when you have a diverse bunch of people. Yeah. Um, all aiming for the same goal. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because you know, even today, in some instances, you see, and I keep saying it, I don't mind saying it, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but Middle-aged, white men, grey hair, bad T-shirts. And there's so many examples of the same around the same. Uh, and so as a business, how do you grow when you've got the same, same, same? Yeah. You need that difference. You need people uh, that bring different ideas, have different backgrounds. And uh, again, it's just to highlight that. 
No, absolutely. So, on that, um, you, you spoke about you have children. Yes. Uh, you spoke <laughs> about your husband. So, you know, what do you do for fun? So, I actually love weight training. Oh, well. Like, love, love, love it. <laughs> so, and I go gym at six in the morning, Monday to Friday, to do my training. That's the only time I can fit it in around the kids. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, because... Yeah, that's the, that's the best time for me to get it in and know that it's done. Because end of the day, I'm like physically, mentally tired. I can't even think about going to the gym. So, yeah, that's when I go in. But yeah, I just love it. The thought or the, the feeling you get from being able to lift more, just love it. The endo- I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> the endorphins. No, I do get it. And, and like I said, I used to play sport, but sheesh. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, great. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so weightlifting. Um, and a bit of boxing as well do a bit yeah. of boxing so. now I'm scared <laughs> <laughs> get all the frustrations out you know it is. so on that I think there's a uh, this weekend there's a lot of women's boxing uh, on Sky Sports I think yeah. it is yeah. um, any thoughts on that? Do so I don't, I'm not much of a watcher I'm more of a doer do yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> and have you in, do you box other women or do you spar or no just like with my PT oh, oh I do, the um, bag yeah well uh-huh. not just the bag like he's, he got, has the gloves and does all different tricks so I feel like I know a lot of the moves but okay. yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to get in the ring next step get your head guard <laughs> on right put your mouth guard in and start it you have to cut down the ring and, and start it, it's can I say this yeah I used to box, but train. Boxing. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Um, I've got a good friend of mine called Billy Schwer, who was the IBO light middle lightweight champion way back when, I think in the late 90s, mid late 90s, I think it is. Hi, Billy. How you doing? <laughs> and um, we used to train together and we used to spar. But I don't have the mentality to hurt somebody, as in, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to knock you out type thing. And um, but I could throw a punch and I could take a punch. Yeah. Um, apart from when I saw stars one time, like, <laughs> you know what I'm done. You know, gloves off. But um, no, that's that's it's really cool. That's really just so. Apart from um, your weightlifting and being strong <laughs> and and doing that, the, the endorphins, you know, kicking in. Yeah, um, yeah. To do stuff with the family. To, you know, do that whole, you know, going out food entertainment stuff oh i love good love good food um yeah always had a big appetite so when i was small i was a lot bigger so yeah been on a journey of that um losing that weight but that appetite is always there so yeah i love a good um, night out to eat thai good. food is good oh, that, I, that i enjoy so um yeah good. yeah always and makes me happy where do you see yourself five years from now? So when you're about 30, I'd, I'd guess. <laughs> a bit, bit, bit more than that. <laughs> so, yeah, five years from now. Oh, what so this is, an, yeah, this is an interesting question. So I get asked a lot, like, do you want to be partner or are you going to go for it? And this, And my honest answer right now is I don't know. What I do know is, though, in five years, I want to be in a position of leadership mm-hmm. still or even, you know, progress that further. And still make sure that I am supporting um, junior people of black heritage, but of different ethnic minorities to just support them, build their confidence, help them to grow in the cybersecurity industry. So wherever I am, that has to be a part of what I'm doing because that's where I find fulfillment. Okay. And leading more events like the the one 
uh, I saw you at the well, I saw on the LinkedIn. Yeah, era. no, I love, I love, love attending events and speaking at them and um, networking. So I absolutely want to do more. Was that led by KPMG? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And and you're all over that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm really pleased. I'm really happy. Yeah, I invite about you that. to the next one. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Why not? Um, now, final question. We got to the end already. Wow, that was quick. Uh, yeah, well, you know, do not worry about that. Time flies when you're having fun. Time and all. flies indeed. <laughs> so, you should have had this question about your you and your USP, your unique selling point. So I think it's just my personality I just get on well with whoever I'm around or in the room with even when they're quite different to me I find some way to connect with them so that that's it for me so it's you're a people person yeah absolutely able um, to build rapport smiley yeah <laughs> um and um you come across amazing if I say so myself well, thank you and uh you can communicate in a great way very kind. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth Huffman from KPMG, Director in Cybersecurity. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it was great to be on. Thank you for having me. No worries. This episode was brought to you by Salt Cybersecurity, part of Salt Group, who specialise in providing trust across digital channels by helping major financial institutions verify the identity of their users and authenticating high-value transactions in the UK and globally.